In this episode, we talked to Tobias Drury with Mesa Mundi and their product, D20 Pro. Later, we listened to a game review by Doug and Kelly with Geek's Tabletop Game Review for the game Race for the Galaxy. And Adam Hockmeyer joins us and he talks about Ivian. And finally, legendary artist Larry Elmore. Roll the dice. Hey, nerds! It's Geeks of Cascadia. Geeks of Cascadia. Geeks of Cascadia. Exclusive tabletop game podcast for the uh, Pacific Northwest. All levels of gamers. Analog gaming. Tabletop news. Dungeons and Dragons. Stupid, mindless, bad. There will definitely be some. That, that's probably our best. Lot that, that's, that's, our, that's our best feature. You are listening to the Geeks of Cascadia podcast featuring Steve Hobbs, Paul Anderson, and Joe Costa. This podcast is brought to you by OrcaCon. This section of the podcast is brought to you by Around the Table, Linwood's premier game store and hangout for game lovers of all ages. Buy a game, play one of ours, or join us for a drink. Whichever you choose, you'll have a great time. Around the Table Game Pub. Now back to our show. Hey geeks, Blue Samurai here. Welcome to another episode of Geeks of Cascadia. Mm-hmm. You guys are not as enthusiastic. Oh, uh, <laughs> what the hell? There's always to clapping. We were let, or letting like you that. have your moment there. All my energy went to my students all day. Wow. Well, well anyway, it is episode 14, and by the way, mm-hmm. again, I am Blue Samurai, and I am with the Costasaurus. And then to my left is still just Paul. Paul, Joe, how have you guys been? Did you do anything nerd, nerdy or geeky? Uh, I actually came here on Friday, which is at Around the Table mm-hmm. in Linwood, Washington. Where we're podcasting from right now. Live. So, live. <laughs> so, I met up with some friends that I actually met at mm-hmm. Gen Cant. Um, a couple of really cool people. Awesome. Um, well, why are they Gen Cant? I went to Gen Cant. Did you go to Gen Cant? I got my badge and everything. Oh, really? I, I went too. to Gen Con. Yeah. Well, I actually really? went to Gen Con. Oh, I would have Gen Con, I but I... Can. You should see my dice bag. <laughs> so, I've, I've seen his, his, his dice bag. It's very nice. Thank we you. played Fast Flip, which is uh-huh. super awesome. It's mm-hmm. like 80s, retro 80s sci-fi style art. Okay. And you have this big 3D mothership in front of you. Yeah. And it's like space invaders. Like all these ships are coming down, and you got to flick this your ship, and it's got to land on them. And if it does, it does damage. But uh-huh. as you start taking more damage, you get more ships and special abilities for your ship. This, and so you're flicking them. Like I had, there's one ability where I was able to do a short shot. So I flicked it, and I was like half inch away, and there was a card where I could measure out, and I was able to hit that. There's ships with shields, so you got to take them out before you can take the ships. So there's, there's actual physical skill oh, yeah, involved you're in flicking this. Your ships this and is hitting them. Kind of like how in high school we played that football game. And then each round, yeah. Each round, closer. Yeah. But this is a cop. It's everybody versus this. And then in the mm-hmm. back is like a mothership that's like eight inches tall that you got to flip them into. Came down to one turn and I mm-hmm. failed. Well, you know what? We you got to do four hits. I did three. Oh, no. or I didn't and, do three. And are you feeling better because the listeners were really concerned that you didn't show up last <laughs> podcast? Yes, you were yes. Sick. You got the crud. <laughs> I'm assuming because you were starting school at the time and. You got all the bugs from the kids. Oh my gosh. I'm getting over it, but my voice is back. My voice was almost gone. And I kid you not, I went home, I took NyQuil, I went to sleep. And that's pretty much what, with the, Friday was me kind of testing the waters of going out. Um, but other than that, yeah, I just went home and slept. Have you that would it? be a fun podcast. Next time, let's all take two shots of NyQuil. Wait thirty minutes and then podcast. Oh my gosh, that would be a very a podcast fun podcast on a bunch of sleepy juice. Would be great. <laughs> Are you creating new nerds? I hope 
creating the nerds. Yes. Um, like. In your like, class? Yeah, in your oh, class. Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I didn't wow. know if that was like a do you plan to have kids <laughs> situation there. Oh, so. well, that's, that, like, that'll be a different podcast. That's a whole different like, podcast. Are that's, you that's, making that's, new that's, nerds? I'm like, Pizza Cascadia after dark. <laughs> no. If you want that, listen to Matt and Dory's um, Excellent Adventure. Actually, yes. in my classroom, yeah, I actually, there's a lot of games that I have in my classroom uh-huh. that. When we have different mm-hmm. math stations, some of them are games that we would like fast flip. Yeah. It focuses on you flip over and whatever fruit you see, let's say it's a strawberry, then you mm-hmm. have to count on the back of the other cards how many there are. First kid to yell it out gets that point. So I actually do incorporate a lot of games Man, into our centers. I wish you were my teacher when I was younger. I wish I was your teacher too when you were younger. It would be really be fun. Smarter now. I would. Yes. Yeah. And then, Obviously. then Paul was class, and right? I can make sure that you're nice to him. Yeah. So the nerdy thing that I did was yes. I complained to all my coworkers, so I'm not getting CBS access, whatever, so that I can watch Doctor Discovery. I am so mad about that. You have to have it. You can't watch it just right. on the cable. We're no. not doing Steve's rant. I am. I know <laughs> I mentioned this last time, but I'm very angry at the fact that That's CBS. That's some websites that I can stream order, from. In order to watch. This new Star Trek Discovery, which, by the way, I watched and I loved it. How the fact that it? I have to pay money to watch in CBS Access makes me very angry. So you did buy it to watch it? No, no. I did not. How I did, did not. Watch it? Well, because you can watch the first episode. The, f- the first one's always free, Joe. What, what I love, yeah. what I love, Gosh, okay, Vegas, right? Yeah. <laughs> is that it's uh, there's a lot of diversity in it. There is a person of color, a woman yeah. who's the captain, yeah, uh, which I think is awesome. Right, That's right. And, and there's yeah. a, a woman. Who's uh, um, her like? Because she's at the first episode. She's like the executive officer. She's number one, and the captain is an Asian woman, which is absolutely fantastic. But then here's the deal: if you want to watch this, if you're a person of color, you have to pay the money, right? So, ooh, right? So I don't. That's not. And I cool. after the discussion we had yesterday at mm-hmm. the. Um, OrcaCon staff meeting um, yes. about this because that's what we do at OrcaCon staff meetings when we talk about Star Trek. Yes. Um, there's no other shows I want to watch on the streaming service, personally. I mean, I, I understand there right. are some that some For people now, want to watch, but there's none that I want to watch that I haven't seen. Yeah. I just feel like this is a bad trend. And also, oh, go ahead. I was going to say the only streaming service that I actually think would be is worth the money is like an, if you had to get an HBO one. Because at yeah. least with them is like yeah, there's Game of Thrones, there's Westworld, right. but I feel like at least I've seen them have consistency of putting out good shows. Oh yeah. And so at least with that, to me, I'd be like, okay, but yeah, I don't know. I have, I mean, there's some sites that I just stream from, so I'm not mm-hmm. downloading anything. Right. Um, and so sometimes I can, I can try to find it um, just from doing that. But yeah, I'm really excited about. It. I don't know if it is the captain, but it's a woman of color or yeah. Rita Santa. Yeah. Um, I remember she was one. Of, I really liked her character on The Walking Dead. She was on there for seasons and seasons and seasons. And it was a good show. I don't. Joe did. Or Joe, you saw it, right? You did see it. Discovery. Yeah. No, I'm gonna watch it tonight. You didn't see it. Did you see it? I'm not gonna watch it. Oh, okay, well, there you go. He, he's. <laughs> oh, wow. I, I'm, I'm. I'm the Star Trek nerd in the group. Yeah, because you don't want to. He's pay gonna boycott. I've been to Star Trek: The You're, Experience. I wow. have a communicator. Wow. Um, I, yeah, this is I, big. I'm just. I'm just. Yeah. Well, if, if I can only see one episode, wow. I'm not gonna give them six dollars a month Our, and watch them. All right, fans, you heard it here. Paul is boycotting. See, I'm putting words in the mouth. Just boycotting. Keeping my six dollars yes. is what I would. And say. he doesn't like Stranger Things, which I still don't oh, get. Well, yeah, well, I want to get into well, that again. I'm so, falling asleep now. Stranger so, Things. So, listeners, we are now at. Six minutes of witty banter, so I think that's enough. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Good night, everybody. There you go. (laughs) Goodbye. Um, Actually, we do have a show for you. We have a really good show. 
Paul, what do we what have on the docket today? Yes, what do we have? We are going to talk to Tobias Drury from Mesa Mundi. Mesa Mundi. Yes, Mesa Mundi. What do they do? They have this thing called D20 Pro. Yes. A person that I'm very familiar with spoke mm-hmm. with them at Gen Con. Who, I, was that you, Joe? No, I did Gen Can. I did Gen Can. Well, did if you want to know, I actually interviewed uh, him at oh. Gen Con. Oh, Gen Con. I was at Gen yeah, Con. Gen Con. Okay. I don't know if you know that, but I was at Gen Con. There's, we're also going to talk, we're also going to have a review for a, a Race for the Galaxy. No way! By Doug and... Yeah. Kelly. Yes. I wrote the wrong name down because wow. I'm an idiot. Oh, I can't believe no. you. I love Kelly. Kelly. Kelly's awesome. Kelly's, Kelly is awesome. Yes. And Doug is awesome too. Doug, they're, they're both very awesome. Yes, very they're awesome. from Games Plus. That's, that's at Games Plus Wah. And they do our Geeks of, Geeks Tabletop Game Review. I yes. almost threw that name up. But yes, <laughs> that is what they do. Now, people don't. Well, I, I'm sure the listeners know this, but Race for the Galaxy is actually is a tabletop tabletop game, but they also made an app, and that is actually what they're reviewing, is the, yes. the app. We don't normally do kind of electronic, digital type stuff, but for this, we're making an exception. I think it's good to do that. We're seeing um, we're seeing definitely that, you know, explode even more, I mean, because um, Suzanne from Board Game Breakfast, mm-hmm. uh, she, she started doing that, and she's, I mean, that's definitely her specialty. And I've right. really enjoyed hearing about some of these digital ports that still feel like games. Like, have you ever played right. Splendor on your phone? No, I have not. It feels like Splendor. And oh, so I'll have to play it. I have it as mm-hmm. pass and play, so I'll play with four people when we're, like, waiting in line for a movie. Mm-hmm. And your turn, pass it over. Wow. And then, like, I it's actually really worth I it. I currently have Lords of Waterdeep on my phone. I, I do, too. quite a bit. I haven't played that. I've been playing... Mm-hmm. Um, I've beat Steve at both those on board games. Okay. couple you beat me at Lords of Waterdeep, did you? I came in second. Such a good well, game. that's not first. I anyway, have Stone Age... But they haven't made the updated version mm-hmm. for the new iOS, so I haven't mm-hmm. updated to new iOS because mm-hmm. I wanted to keep Stone Age on my tablet. Well, what's great about uh, this podcast is we're talking about, uh, I guess, two digital things. Because D20 is actually a, a digital program yeah. that we augment with. I, I call it an accessory, accessorize our tabletop gaming. It's mm-hmm. with D&D. Um, with that, anyway, what else do we got? Uh, we also have um, Adam Hackmeyer. From, uh, his game is called Ivian. We met him at Dragonflight. Oh, okay. And and, and Larry Elmore. Larry Elmore, who wow. I understand is an artist. Yes. He did Dragonlance, and he did a lot of D&D products back in the 80s. Awesome. I remember that. When I was just a wee lad. Wee oh, lad. Wow. If it was before 82, I wasn't born yet. Yeah, what, that really? You know, you didn't have to mention that. Oh, sorry. Like, yeah. <laughs> you suck. You're fired. Anyway... <laughs> Um, Greg Pratt got to interview uh, Larry El- Elmore. Unfortunately, oh, cool. I was I was running um, to try to meet him uh, because he's, he met him at a certain time in the morning, and I just got there like a minute late. I didn't want to interrupt, and uh, it was a really awesome interview. And I, dang it, I wish I was a part of it. But Too much Dragon's Milk Stout at Gen Con. Yeah. You're probably right. You're <laughs> probably right. So, what do, who's going to be first? We are going with D20 Pro first. That's Tobias Drury. All right. Well, let's see what Tobias has to say. This part of the podcast is brought to you by Games and Gizmos. Games and Gizmos is your friendly local game store with a great selection and a welcoming community. Come to Games and Gizmos in Kirkland, Washington. Now back to the show. Hey, geeks. Uh, Blue Samurai here at Gen Con, and I am here with Tobias Drury. All right, I got that right. With Mesa Mundi. 
uh, a company that does, uh, well, actually, why don't you describe it? It's kind of just accessorizing our tabletop games, right? Essentially, that's what we're doing. Yeah, essentially. So we build virtual tabletop software mm-hmm. as well as mapping software. Uh, and the, the idea is to provide tools that let people play games and interact with each other remotely and locally in as best way we can. Right. So with our virtual tabletop, you can have local games or remote players joining into local games um, or just purely remote play. With the mapping software, you can make anything from print quality maps to uh, just tablet reference. And And what game systems do you have currently right now? We currently have 3.5, so Mm -hmm. D&D, 3.5, 4E, 5E, and uh, Pathfinder, so Paizo's Pathfinder, okay. and we'll be launching Starfinder in the very near future. Oh, wow, that's that's cool. And so when you're doing uh, new development stuff, you got to go work hand-in-hand. I'm sure that's difficult. With uh, 5e, how did that come about? It's like, uh, you're, was it simultaneous? or Because um, I don't know how long you've been doing it. Um, so the 5e license, we actually applied for the license a year and a half ago. Okay. And <laughs> have gone back and forth with them over and over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, Due to events and whatnot, it just takes a long time. Sure, to sure, levels. sure. But we, so we've now got our full licensed 5e content rolling out with mm-hmm. the player's handbook first, monster manual in about a month, and then DMG and Tome of Annihilation uh, coming out immediately after. Yeah, they're, uh, they just did a big giant podcast called The Stream of Annihilation trying to roll this out. And I know the, um, is it in September they're rolling out the actual uh, ma- uh, yes. campaigns? Right. Yeah, so it's actually that kind of stuff that led to a year and a half of waiting for the right. license approval. Mm-hmm. We got our approval months and months ago, but announcement had to wait until we actually had all of the content and other announcements right. out of the way. So what got you into this? Uh, I'm a gamer and mm-hmm. artist and a geek. And okay. So the combination of all these things, and then also, I suppose, also a programmer. Right. Uh, so that helps. <laughs> it does. And mm-hmm. the the idea of being able to, as a GM, mm-hmm. I became very annoyed at having to redraw my maps constantly. Mm-hmm. I like to have very complex spaces and uh, explorable nooks and crannies. Sure. And then, but going through and redrawing, even with things like tactiles and other uh, very helpful mm-hmm. analog tools. So I got into building uh, projection-based tables where we have projectors hidden underneath the table projecting upwards and doing a camera-based touch and things like that. Long story short, I built a prototype, ended up partnering with Geek Chic to bring it to Gen Con six years ago, and met uh, Matt Morton from MindGene, who at the Mm -hmm. time owned D20 Pro, and uh, Doug Davison from Fantasy Grounds and a bunch of other people who all said, why aren't you using our software? Right. Uh, and I was showing on a different software package at the time. Mm-hmm. And the end result was a bunch of friendships were made, and we basically built this collective of bots of our virtual tabletop. And when Matt was looking to retire from doing D20 Pro, uh, my wife and I bought the property and added mm-hmm. it to Mason Money's portfolio. And so we've been okay. lead developers for uh, D20 Pro for the last two years. What did you do before uh, this? Before this, we built digital signage, and mm-hmm. before that, um, I handled supercomputing for Boston University. Okay. So this, uh, you decided to take the big leap, do right. your own company, yeah. and uh, so far, so good, though I know it's rough yes, doing absolutely. this. I mean, you kind of rely on the ups and downs of um, these other companies to get this thing going, but um, it seems like to me, just by coming to Gen Con, and just, I've been into gaming for a long time, that the tabletop gaming isn't going away. It's actually... It's improving. It's it getting better, growing, right? Yeah. yeah, it's a growing industry. This mm-hmm. year, I believe there's, well, and mm-hmm. I 
definitely don't want to be quoted, which I guess we are. But yeah. the, I, <laughs> right. I heard yes. uh, that there is 30,000 more attendees this year than any other year for Gen Con. And yes, Gen Con 50 is the biggest event that yes. we've had thus far. But still, mm-hmm. to have that many people attend and to sell out completely is a great indicator of the state of the industry. All right, well, I just talked to David Hoppy just like uh, probably an hour and a half ago, and he was very pleased at the attendance this year. Um, so so what, what do you provide above from your competitors? So this is your chance to trash your competitors and tell, tell everyone how awesome you are. <laughs> Well, so the main thing that we've Mm -hmm. done that is different from our competitors Mm -hmm. is we've built in a fully functional rules engine Mm -hmm. that lets you build out um, everything from from spell effects Mm -hmm. to creature abilities to class abilities, um, even down to terrain uh, effects like Mm -hmm. difficult terrain or, you know, a poisonous bog or even something that over time will reduce your speed or even make your miniature right. shrink. In fact, so. I, I actually saw that. Um, Eric Cagle was doing a demonstration, and uh, I was seeing that. Nice. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and so what we've done mm-hmm. is we've built in two different ways that people can interact with it. For mm-hmm. programmers, there's a scripting, there's a full JavaScript-enabled mm-hmm. language uh, section available, and then uh, our script library. Mm-hmm. And then for non-programmers, we have a visual editor, mm-hmm. uh, flow-based programming system. So this is basically nodes, and you mm-hmm. tie the nodes together to chain effects. Mm-hmm. And this lets you create, um, for instance, with 5th edition, where mm-hmm. we had to handle spells that have the capability to be overcast, which is when you spend additional spell slots to do more damage. Yes, yes. Dice. Uh-huh. So we have a single spell description that when you overcast the spell, will change all of the parameters of the spell. It can change mm-hmm. the size of the template, it can change the dice of damage it deals, right. it can even change the saving throw accordingly. And, and so what's your uh, most popular line right now? Definitely our most popular line is Dungeons & Dragons. Okay, and yeah. fi- is it 5th edition or is it... It, it seems to be. Uh, okay. You know, but this is based off of a small sample set. Sure. So we've, we've handled 5th ed in, mm-hmm. a, uh, in a casual way for a while now. Uh, Pathfinder is a close second for us. Okay. With many of our existing users being staunch Pathfinder supporters. But there's mm-hmm. definitely a tipping going on for the fantasy side. What do you feel like is going to happen as pe- more and more people move away from 3.5? Um, is it going to lose support, or is it going to be dropped? Or I think we're going to see more things like Starfinder. Okay. Starfinder is a beautiful example of evolution of the original property, where Starfinder has enough of the 3.5 base, the, the Pathfinder mm-hmm. base. Sure to be recognizable and understandable for people who knew that system and loved that system. Mm-hmm. But it also then takes in and it brings in some of the 5e mechanic style, the styles, not actually 5e mechanics, obviously. Right. Yeah. But it also introduces some fate style mechanics mm-hmm. and even some Savage Worlds mechanics. So like we see the track system from fate, um, mm-hmm. we see the minimization of some of the way that features mm-hmm. of a character are used that is, you know, heralds back to Savage Worlds and 5e. And it's it's a nice blend. So if we can see more products like this, right. then I think we'll see a great so evolution. The more they do, the more you do. Right, right. <laughs> so um, what, uh, how, do, how does one get your product, and how much does it cost? Yeah, so you, you know? can download a 30-day free trial from okay. d20pro.com, and it is $50 for a full GM license mm-hmm. with two guest seats that allows remote players to connect to you at no additional cost, and then you can add additional seats for $10, 
or for your gaming group, if you want to, you got some people playing a bunch of different games, they can buy right. a player license for $10, and then it doesn't take anything right. from your guest seat. And this is $10 a month, right? No, it's $10 once, and you're done. Wow, okay. It's, it's a buy once, own forever. Uh, there's no subscription. It's you own it. It is yours. Wow. And that's okay. all upgrades and version changes going forward. Okay. So our, our monetization is definitely in our content. Okay. You know, we build uh, complex and detailed rule sets that allow you to mm -hmm. uh, play the games your way, whether it's simply tracking location and mm -hmm. maybe uh, basic health, down mm -hmm. to fully automating when you walk into a room, it dynamically lights up the space around the character by vision, and mm -hmm. then... Um, and then having features or traps auto-trigger when somebody enters an area, all right. of that is available. And these conventions are what probably drives your numbers, right? Or these conventions help a lot, certainly. Okay. Uh, we do, actually, Facebook and uh, Discord, okay. where we see a lot of our traffic generation. And what other conventions uh, are we going to see at the remainder of the year? Well, we'll see. So PAX, Con, maybe? Maybe, okay. yeah. So we, okay. tend, we don't go to, uh, to PAX Prime. Okay. Um, Mostly because it's very difficult to get into PAX Prime. Right, yeah. And, but we will certainly they, be back. They don't like PAX it when East. you call it PAX Prime anymore, apparently. I, yes. I, I interviewed yeah, yeah. Mike. Dating myself. <laughs> right. Uh, I still consider PAX Prime because I live there. But yes. And so for us, PAX East mm -hmm. was, was our PAX Prime, if you will. Okay. In that we're just south of Boston. And mm -hmm. so we our local show is PAX in Boston. And so that is definitely a place where we'll be again. Our intent this year is rather than run a booth, we're going to run a bunch of events and run demos. Okay. So we should be out on the floor. People can come and see us, play games. Mm -hmm. We always bring a couple of touch tables and run local games so you can interact with uh, very nice interactive surfaces and mm -hmm. have some fun playing D&D. Well, thanks a lot. Thanks for talking to me, and I wish you luck. I hope you do really well. Thank you very much. All right, thanks. Hey, geeks. Man, that was a great interview by Tobias and uh, the D20. And why it was great? Because I interviewed him. <laughs> At Gen Con. Yeah, that's fine. Oh, that is so awesome. cool. You know, I, I don't know if you guys know this, but I've been starting my own D&D &D game. I currently do one here at Around the Table, but I have been... I started my own one as a cool. DM awesome. for my boys. Cool. And I did that last yesterday. That was so awesome. Oh, yeah. Did it go pretty well? Well, so here's the deal, guys. So, um, it's it's kind of a homebrew. Yet I also bought I bought a module, right? Uh -huh. But it's I did a little homebrew stuff in it. So the first battle, um, the boys were talking like, "Hey, we need to capture one of these these guys, these goblins, so we can interrogate them." Okay. And in my mind, it's like. Oh crap! <laughs> I didn't, didn't plan for that at all, right? So it was supposed to be a big battle. So there's other like NPCs battling, and they're like working with people to to repel this goblin attack. So it's like it was a race to, for like the NPCs that I had in there to kill off all the goblins before they captured one. And thank goodness. Um, my youngest son, Winston, failed on an, a, a grappling roll. Otherwise, it's like, oh, man, I gotta, <laughs> now we gotta, we got to figure this interrogation. I didn't even yeah. think about it. So it's really it's really interesting how these these games can just go off the rails sometimes. That's the thing. Is that, um, the, the DM has to prepare for everything. That's right. Because the group is going to do something different. That's right. That's right. But I had a really great time. And you don't want to be that person who's like, good. they're like, I'm going to go down the A corridor. No, you don't. You want to go down the B corridor. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure you want to go down a... No, you don't! It's very dark down there. Are you sure you want to go down there? I'm pretty sure you'll die. I'm sure there's been a couple of quests we probably did to our own DM. But 
Uh, we do have a schedule that we have to follow. So who do we have next so on the docket? Speaking of gaps for your phone, yes, we have a race for the galaxy review by Doug and Kelly. Oh, Geeks Tabletop Game Review! I love that segment. Well, let's go hear what they have to say. Yes. All right. Hey everyone, this is Doug here again at Games Plus in Lake Stevens. Uh, as always, I'm here with Kelly. Hey guys, how's it going? And we got another Geeks Tabletop Game Review. This time we're stepping into the digital part of the board gaming world. Eh, sort of. And we're reviewing Race for the Galaxy. Uh, the card game was published uh, by Rio Grande Games. This uh, digital copy uh, has been developed by Temple Gate Games. Uh, they've got a few other ones under their belt. Uh, most notably is the Ascension VR. Okay. Uh, that's out on Steam for 10 bucks, which I'm debating on getting. It looks pretty fun. Yeah, but you like Ascension. I like Ascension, yes. I like <laughs> some of the Ascension games, yeah, yes. Say, yes. I won't lie. Uh, so this game uh, hits uh, the Play Store and, uh, I guess, iTunes for Apple devices. Sure. Uh, back in July. It's uh, it's only six ninety nine, so that's not bad. It's kind of the average for other board games. Oh, I think like Ticket to Ride and Castles of Magic and Ludwig, Ludwig Elder Side are and all those. around that price. Yeah, yeah. so it, it's not that bad. And I mean, it comes with uh, kind of a mini expansion in it with some extra promo cards and starting cards in it, so it's not bad. Plus, yeah. it has add-ons in it for the first two expansions, um, Gathering Storm and Rebel vs. Imperium uh, available for add-ons if you want for three ninety nine. So that's not bad. No. Uh, so let's get into it. Uh, it so does come with a tutorial which teaches you how to play the game. Oh, yeah. Which is very important, especially yes. if you've never played any of the Race for the Galaxy stuff or Roll for the Galaxy or anything like that. Which we had not played prior to this. We've played Roll for the Galaxy. we played Roll for the Galaxy. Which is... That is and San Juan. And San Juan. we played San Juan. Yeah, this is... Almost like San Juan in space, like you put it earlier. Yeah. So if you haven't played Race for the Galaxy, the card game, it is like San yes. Juan in space. That is. Which is which isn't bad. I like I like San Juan. The few times that I played it, it's definitely a good intro card game, kind of somewhat engine building. But I definitely prefer Puerto Rico over San Juan. Yes, because that's kind of a, a heavy. But we digress. Setting. Yeah, we we digress into these <laughs> other kinds of games. Um, the tutorial's great, like you were saying. It yeah, it... Yes, you do. It steps you through different types of strategies to go through the game. So, like, the first tutorial, there's no military cards at all. Um, you can't even build... Uh, what do they call them? Development cards. Development cards that help you with military strategy until the second tutorial, which is strictly about military um, stuff. And then the third tutorial was strictly um, the... The goods, the selling of the goods and all that kind of stuff. Because there are definitely different ways to get points in this game. Absolutely. There's, like you said, the military power, which as you increase your military strength, it allows you to explore worlds for free, other military worlds for free. So you're playing the game until a certain amount of victory points or until one player has uh, 12 cards on the field. Mm -hmm. So if you're playing military, you can get your stuff out there really quick, but if you're playing trade stuff, you can get those victory points uh, quicker. Mm -hmm. So it's how quickly do you want to end the game versus um, how many 
victory points can you acquire uh, in that short amount of time while mm-hmm. someone's trying to end the game quickly. And I mean, these cards that we put out onto the field, they're also worth points. Yes. So that's that's also something to consider. So if you can build these military worlds for free as you're building your military strength, uh, you might not worry about doing the, the trade stuff with the goods that you're producing and just let other people deal with that themselves. And I think that's kind of what happened with me when we actually sat down and played the game earlier is where I was doing more military. I was set up for military and I couldn't draw any military cards so I had to change mid-game what my strategy was mm-hmm. and I never could quite adapt the other direction. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. But we played the tablet version mm-hmm. and we kind of... I don't know what you were set up for but I was set up for trading. I had tons and tons of things that it was allowing me to trade oh, yeah, and get I, cards and just refill my hands so easy. Mm-hmm. And then your tablet crashed. And then the tablet crashed. That, I think, is something to do with the tablet itself. I think it's it's a few years old. Yeah, the tablet crashed, not the game. Yeah, the, the Google Play services was crashing, and that also kind of caused the, the game to crash. But I played it on my phone, no problem. It was actually really Yeah, and you can play more than one player on a phone. Yeah. It's... Um, but since you're doing not necessarily secret stuff, but you're making a secret decision of what your action for the turn is going to be, yeah, it takes a little bit longer. Yeah, you have a friends list that you can add people to. You pretty much have a code that you send to your friends, and they type it in, and you get added to their friends list, and they get added to yours. And you can create these online games by uh, uh, inviting your friends. And it's just like any other kind of mobile game where it's... You make your selection, and then you wait for people to take their turn. And if someone gets stuck on their turn, you kind of got to give them a nudge. Maybe in real life, maybe. Somehow, if you're playing with someone across the country. I think it does time out after a while, too. I just assume, like, if server disconnects you, it immediately replaces them with an AI. and That would be weird, but... Isn't that what you just did? Because we were still playing the same game no, and the I, crashed? No, I restarted a game. Did you? Uh, Why? A single-player versus AI on my phone just so we could kind of get that going but uh, it's great for online I like that it has that online capability rather than just playing versus the computer and it does have offline capabilities too it does do offline yeah and you can set difficulty on uh, the AI from easy medium so expert car rides and yeah. plane rides and I'd mm-hmm. put it up there with the rest of the uh, like the ticket to ride and the elder sign and Talisman. Talisman, yeah. Uh, Google Play games mm-hmm. that have come out. If you're looking for a solo version, it's really easy right. for the people who don't always have access to their gamer groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because of the tutorials and stuff, if you know that you're going to be playing Race for the Galaxy at your local game night, you can... I don't know, why you're sitting on the bus commuting to work or something, you can practice up and... Yeah, you could try re-familiar that. Refamiliarize yourself with the cards and such so you mm-hmm. can play right. better. Yeah. Better than watching a YouTube video. Mm-hmm. Uh, comparing to the card game itself, the physical game to itself, uh, what do you think uh, the game is like on the digital um, end? I just had a quick question. How well does it translate? Uh, insurance is affected by... Well, since because you're on the tablet, you lose the... Uh, the in-person dynamics you get of just playing at the same table as another player. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's... Oh, okay. 
the, the cues for what your opponent has are smaller. The game, the it focuses more on what your board state is. Yeah, uh, and it's like, oh yeah, your opponent has three cards, but it kind of tells you whether or not they're producing and all of those other things, um, and how many cards they have in hand. But it's small and up in the up the corner. Yeah. It's definitely in person with the card game. You can see how big their tableau is, how many cards they have. I found I wasn't paying as much attention to what they were building. I wasn't too, and so... Versus when we were sitting here, I'm like, oh, Doug's going to end the game next turn because he's going to build his 12th thing, and I need to do something about it, and... Mm -hmm. It's definitely a lot more noticeable on what your opponents are doing in the card game versus the digital game. Uh, it's still not that you can't look at your opponents. Yeah, board not that you state, can't look at their their board as they're doing things. Um, it's just kind of smaller on the screen than what you would be used to in real life. Yeah, but it's still it's still a good uh, way to learn the game, play the game. It's pretty responsive on my phone that I noticed. Yeah, and it was actually also pretty decently responsive on my tablet when it was working. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, I liked it. I would definitely uh, recommend it to other people uh, to pick up if they're looking for digital games to take with them. I mean, yeah, if, if I played Race for the Galaxy, I probably would too. I mean, not that I don't like Race for the Galaxy, but it's not. Yeah, we were talking earlier, like, Roll for the Galaxy is kind of our, our go-to for this kind of one. Yeah. Uh, but that is a different topic for a different day. Yeah. Thanks, everyone, for listening in. I am Doug. This is Kelly. Tune in next time. Yeah. Uh, if you have any requests or recommendations for what we what you want us to review, shoot us a line over on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash Geeks of Cascadia or our Facebook page here at Games. This part of the episode is brought to you by Games Plus. From board games to role-playing games to miniatures, we have something for the whole family. Come to Games Plus in Lake Stevens, Washington. Now, back to our show. Once again, another excellent review by Doug and Kelly. Thank you guys so much. And you can hit them at Twitter, at at GamesPlusWA, and same thing on Facebook. They are both awesome. And you can email us at geeksofcascadia at gmail.com. And put a little note there that's saying, hey, could you please do a game review of X game? Whatever game you want. Yes. As long as it's a tabletop game. Yeah, we can do X game. We can't do triple X game because we're a family-friendly show. That's right. Yes. So it's only one X. Yes, right. exactly. But check out Geeks of Cascadia after dark for those. <laughs> Which is the thing that is not going to happen ever. That's right. <laughs> so what do we got next? We have, oh, well, when I was at Dragonfly. Did you guys know I went to Dragonfly? I did not know you went to Dragonfly. Wow. We went to Dragonfly. We talked to Adam Hackmeyer. His game is called Ivian. Ivian? Wow. Yeah, and it looks okay. really cool then. And he's going to tell us about it. Here right now. All right. Hey, geeks, here I am at Dragonflight. I am here with Paul, and once again, we found and snagged another game developer and drug him to our lair. And we have Adam Hockenmeyer. I hope yep. I got that right, Adam. Hockenmeyer, yep. And Ivian is the name of his game, and I gotta tell you, this is a beautiful 
beautiful game. I really love it. I mean, I, lo- I haven't even played it. <laughs> I just love to look at it. Yeah, those cards are amazing. All of the artwork is unique for each of the cards. There's like, what, 280 something different pieces of artwork. So if you like it, there's a wow. lot of it. Wow. So, Adam, tell us about your game. Give us an elevator pitch. What, yeah. What's up with this? So, this is Ivian. It's a tactical tile based fighting game where the idea is it combines elements of your typical card games like Magic, Hearthstone, Yu-Gi-Oh, that kind of thing, where you have your deck and you you know have a resource system and you play the cards. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead of like most of those games where you you know summon monsters to fight for you, your deck is your character. You are the Jarl. You are the Huntsman going forward and doing battle with your opponent. Okay. And so all of your cards are things that your character is doing to the other person. So, you know, you've got attacks, you've got feints, you've got ways to deal with the things that they're that they're throwing at you. And so the way it works, and um, I've got it out in front of me, you might be able to see in a picture somewhere, yes. it's um, you play on a 4x4 four four grid, uh-huh. and your character can move across the battlefield and deal with what your opponent, you know, your opponent's going to be moving across the battlefield to face you. Um, all of the cards have a certain amount of range, so it's really important to, you know, keep within the you know the range that you want to be in, but not necessarily be right in range for their attacks. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple specific things about Ivian that I think set it apart from a lot of other games. One of those is the fact that we have, and I personally have played Magic for 11 years, and some of my other game developers have played various other games, and in and one of the major things in these games, one of the major problems I've found is consistency of games and potentially getting uh, making it so one game you have too many resources, the next game you might not have enough, and that random factor, which is important in games, of course, to make sure that every game is different. You know, well, and then there's game. then there's the other thing is like, oh no, not another expansion. I gotta I gotta dole out some more money yep. again. That, that's another <laughs> thing about Ivian. When you buy the game, you get the full game. You know, okay. the the box itself comes with the six classes, the twelve specializations. It's almost nine hundred cards. It all comes in just the same box, and everyone who will be playing Ivian, at least as far as you know, we we know in the mm-hmm. at this stage is uh, it'll be you know your box versus your opponent's box, or right. you're both playing on the same one. You know, so are you sure, Adam? I, I feel like you you might be tempted to do an expansion. This is pretty popular. <laughs> I don't know, man. It looks expandable. I don't know. Oh yeah. One thing is that yes, you have in your hand, but yep. the playing surface is a four by four surface of cards. Yes, right. And so that way you can you can it feels like a board game. You're playing on a board, okay. but when you pack it all up, you know it's it fits in a deck box. It you can hold it, you know, in your okay. hand. Okay. So do do these flip over at any point? They actually do. Okay. And so that's one thing that uh, in the base game, and it might expand farther in the future, um, if the tiles get turned into difficult terrain, you can flip them over, and that makes them a little bit harder to move into. Okay. So, for instance, you could uh, create a wall of difficult terrain to stand on their side, and then your okay. opponent would have to slog through it to, you know, get to you. It really okay. makes the board kind of dynamic instead of just, you know, hitting Okay, you. that's very clever. How many players is this, and how long do you think this takes? And what do you think the age? It's usually about... It's either played in 1v1 or 2v2 games. Each box can support up to six people playing at once. The games usually last... If you know what you're doing, 10 to 15, 20 minutes. But, you know, when we're teaching people, it can go up to half an hour or so. Sure, sure. Um, and the age range, I'm not quite sure. I, I mean, I would have loved to play this game when I was, you know, in 
grade school, but um, well, I think we're probably putting the range, the age range at twelve plus, something like that. So, tell me about. I'm, I'm just. I tell you what, these games that that draw you in is the art yeah, a lot of times. So, tell yep. me about the artist. How how'd you get this artist? <laughs> That's there's actually a couple of funny stories about that. Um, well, for one thing. Starting up as a new company designing this game, we didn't have you know we don't have that much money to start, and we we this game, I believe, could you know stand on its own easily as one of the better games that's that's been created. And so we had to find a good art a artist or multiple artists that wouldn't you know wouldn't be that expensive. And so we uh, scoured the internet a little bit, and we ended up coming with a, coming up with a couple people, uh, namely Wojek Dip. Wojek Depozinski, who lives over in Eastern Europe, I believe. Okay. He's done a ton of the artwork for the set. You can see it's gorgeous stuff. If oh, you, yeah. If you go to our website, IvianCCG.com, there's uh, there's some art on there, and you, you can see it. And we have a blog right. as well. Either way, him, there's a, there's a couple names that pop up on, on some of the art, on most of, you know, about half the game is three or four different artists. But, you know, then there's also a couple that are, you know, people who've just done one or two pieces of artwork for us. So, now, this looks like, this game, it's complete, looks like. So, why, you with Playtest Northwest, are you, what's the what's the deal here? Why? Well, we, uh, we launched our Kickstarter campaign and successfully funded it in May. And we have been, ever since then, just getting artwork. So, we've okay. got... I believe it's eight or ten artists, I think, working... You know, every piece of artwork takes some amount of time. Sure. And since there's almost... Th- I think there's like 300 unique pieces of art in the game, including the assets, you know, the card back, that kind of thing. It's just taken a lot of time to get all that art together. And so we, we're going to be sending it off to manufacturing in early September, the first week in September, and hopefully we'll be um, on shelves before uh, Black Friday is the, is oh, the wow. goal. Yeah, okay. We're hoping to you know get in before the Christmas rush. So Kickstarter's over, so you can't get it right. Can you can't. We have an online store, and uh, again, ivyncccg.com, there's a store button, and you can pre-order the game. And that'll come, you know, as soon as it's as soon as it's ready to be shipped, which should be, again, early November ish. Uh, it'll be shipped to you then. And yeah. So, so in the meantime, you're doing the con circuit, living out of your suitcase, and uh, um, we have that. that. There's actually one more thing. Um, we had one of our one of the people in our Kickstarter uh, gave us the idea of getting on tabletop simulator. Which is a for those who don't know, it's a um, piece of software for uh, you know playing board games. Uh, either way, we got all of Ivian on Tabletop Simulator, and we'll be we'll, we've been and will be running tournaments on it, so you can wow. go online and play you know for effectively free if you own Tabletop Simulator, okay. uh, and play Ivian through that and see all the artwork and all that stuff. So I'm noticing the dice. This looks like each player has two different colors of dice. There's actually five different dice. We, we don't have the dice on us right now. We okay. ordered them a while ago. They didn't come. And so um, there's actually going to be five different types of dice. They all go from one to fi- or from zero to five, not one okay. to six. Um, and so on our playtest versions, we just have six being zero. Okay. Um, but either way, there should be a nice little symbol on the, you know, on the six that okay. Okay. works with the thing. Either way, the... Um, how much time do I have? I go into how the resources work. You know, it, yeah, a little time. Qu- the, the quick, the quick version of it is: um, each card has an action cost and a power cost or gain. 
And so you have a resource pool of action and power from zero to five. And when you play cards, you have to pay their costs, and you get, you know, if you have a minus one action plus two power, you would play it and gain, you know, gain or lose whatever it says on the card. At the beginning of your turn, you gain three actions from wherever you were before, and the game goes there from there. So you have this constantly changing resource pool of, you know, how, how many actions do I want to spend? You know, moving requires actions, playing attacks requires actions, that kind of thing. So you have to, uh, you the dice, they're not for rolling, they're for okay. counting, okay, you know, okay. you're changing resources. Now, you plan to keep this in-house with your company, or do you uh, plan to sell this to a publisher? Uh, I would, or is I, the price, depending on the price, right? Depends on the price. <laughs> like, like most things in life, it depends right. on the price. Well, this is um, hot, so they'd be yeah. foolish not to even not they should knock on your door right? currently we're uh, keeping it in house and we have a distribution thing that we're going to be doing and okay. I hope that everyone who plays it loves it and so honestly the main thing that our main hurdle right now is getting it out there okay which is hence you hence the cons, us being a convention and you know be, being on a podcast okay. and all that stuff <laughs> so, yeah. Cool. yeah so once again it's Ivian, which is I V is in Victor, I O N is Nancy. Yep. CCG.com. That's the one. And any other places that people can contact you? If you have a Facebook page? Uh, yeah, Twitter's. actually. We have all of that. We have right. Ivian on Facebook. We have a Twitter and Instagram. And I think we have a Google Plus page. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm not quite sure. That's a. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, the main the main thing, if you want to be up to date on information, is the Facebook page, where you okay. can actually join. There's information on there for joining a Discord server for okay. people to talk about the game, cool. and people have been doing that to play games on Tabletop Simulator to find other people to play with. Okay, and um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's it. Okay. Uh, either way, yeah, like our Facebook page, and you'll be able to see more information as it comes out. Well, Adam, thanks a lot for yeah. being on the show. I this is an impressive game, and if you're hearing this, listeners, you should go out and purchase this game right away. <laughs> so, with that, Adam, take care. We will uh, hopefully we'll talk to you soon. Great, thanks for having me. This episode has been brought to you by Vern and Wells, an all-inclusive members-only social club for geek professionals in the style of Victorian parlors of old. A space for this new breed of geek. Visit us at www.vnw.club. Vernon and Wells, Imperium and Imperio. Now to our show. Wow, that was pretty cool. I mean, it's. I mean, I didn't go to Gen Con or anything like you, Steve, but... Uh, oh, yeah, really did you guys cool know that I went to Gen no. Con? No, I, I haven't heard, heard that. Oh, okay. No. We'll do a podcast about it. Anyway, go ahead. Maybe you can show me your dice bag later. Oh, uh, you, you will definitely see my dice bag. <laughs> oh, man. You guys just need to keep your dice bags in your pants. So, Adam Hackmeyer uh, from did the game Ivian. Uh, that sounded really cool. I was It was cool that we were able to get through it and not get the Ivian flu. Oh. No, it sounds pretty cool. And... Um, it, 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 you got a lot of really cool interviews over there, and that was something that sounds, I mean, it sounds pretty awesome. So, um, and then next on the docket, we have Larry Elmore. Let's hear what he has to say. Excellent. Hi, this is Greg Proud on Hey Geeks. I'm here with the one and only Larry Elmore here at Gen Con, the visionary that for many of us was our first image into the world of role playing games. And Thank you for giving me a couple minutes to talk to you, Larry. Thank you. So, um, 
So what are, you know, you, you, you've done so many things, great things over the years. I mean, one of, some, for, for our newer and younger generation who may be listening, may, who may not be familiar with the work, what, what do you think some of your highlights that you've done over the years? Well, I think doing the cover for the Red D&D box was a great thing because uh, I did that, that cover back in 1982, I think, and it's still being used today. Um, that was one iconic piece, and the other was doing the covers and serving an art director for the look of Dragonlance novel. When we did it back then, when we did Dragonlance and stuff, we thought it was like a three-year project. And uh, none of us dreamed that 37 years later, the books are still being read. My daughters read them, and they, yeah. they absolutely love them. I, I discovered them when I was young myself. Yeah. Yeah, the whole Dragonlance project, I was involved in a lot. And even, I was part of, of, of Tracy and Margaret trying to sell the idea of Dragonlance to the board of directors of GSR. And it took us about three years to get on this. Really? Three, three years? And how, how, I'm assuming you did some pieces before it was sold? Well, I had to do some rough pieces to, to help uh, Tracy. And then when they presented the, the concept of Dragonlance to the board of directors, they want a little art to back it up, to help a little visuals. And I was there for moral support, and I was also very active. I mean, if they asked me any questions, if I got to speak, I'd say yes. It was a great part. I'd really push it hard, because it was it was a good, oh, good project. Yeah. Okay. So, so another thing that a lot of people, myself included, have read throughout the years for Snark Quest and hiding in the back of the dragon. Yeah. yeah. So how so how did I mean I, I bought your I backed your Kickstarter and have some yeah. reference, so I have some reference myself, but you know, you want to share with your listeners a little bit about how Snark Quest came about? Oh well, I I've been to TSR probably less than a year uh, in our department and uh, I found out that Dragon Magazine would publish art or whatever they published you, the, the author or the artist or maintained the rights to it, whereas with TSR game products, TSR owned the rights to everything. So this is very important, obviously being an artist, important. really important. And so I started doing a couple of uh, Dragon Magazine covers. I did a lot of Dragon Magazine because I owned the rights to the paintings. Well, one day, like I said, I've been there about a year, uh, Kim Mohan, which is the editor of Dragon Magazine, came into the art department and said, does any of you guys want to do a comic strip of some kind? He said, we're going to open up nationwide and take submissions, and we're going to pick one and run like a three-page strip once a month. And I looked at and I said, uh, well, I own the rights to it. With the you don't the right to it. All right. I said, what is it? Well, just do five pages. You know, like an intro. And yeah. turn it in to me. Or mail it in. I said, well, I'll just drop, give it to you. I said, he said, okay. So I went home and did five pages. And um, and gave it to him like a day or two later. And I forgot about it. I didn't hear anything for a month or two. And one day he comes in. He said, all right, we really like that. Our Thing you submitted, he said, We're gonna go with that. He said, That's the best one we got. And I said, Good. Um, it was uh, three pages, $300 a month. That was a paper. Was that good back then? Yeah, I mean, that was good back then. Okay. And because uh, I could do three pages over a weekend, like start on Friday and then Sunday night, that's $300. I guess back then that would have been more like almost. That would be a lot more than today, yeah. So, yeah, I I was glad. And and the story 
those five pages is where it started in the Snowflake book. And it was published. And when I had to do the next three pages, it just, it just started to come alive to me, and the characters started running it. So it was very easy to write because the characters did it. It just went up. I knew what they were like. They sort of determined the story. You know? push you, push I would just try to... You're along for the ride is what yeah, it almost yeah. sounds like. I would, I would know I'm going to go from this, this <laughs> storyline to another one, like from A to B. And I would just think, how would the characters get there in some stupid accidental way, you know? Yeah. And it just wrote itself, you know? Some of the characters that start stupid accidental yeah, way seems yeah. like the right thing. That was, most of their luck was stupid accidental, you know. Oh, wow. So, so I what, wrote it, okay. I penciled it, inked it, wrote it, and lettered it. And my lettering sucked pretty bad, but I... I, would, I did it all. I read them, but, you know, I, I look forward to that every month when I was younger. I, I, I know. It, yeah. You may have thought it sucked, but it was great to some of us. Well, I've met some guys later on, there's three boys that grew up together. He said, well, they didn't have any money, but we go to the local bookstore, and every month they pull the Dragon Magazine off the shelf, shelf go to the back three pages, read it, and then put it back. Oh, man. They kept up with it, you know. Oh, everybody. yeah, I might not. Yeah. A few might have gone through the local library, but, yeah, I, I got Ours was fortunate to carry it. Well, that's good. Um, so what have you been up to lately? I mean, uh, if well, uh, I've been wanting to do my own paintings. Uh, just paint them myself. It'll be fair. <laughs> but uh, I ran three Kickstarts in three years, which were extremely successful. I love them. I back all three. You have to pay out for my bills and get myself really set nice. And so... The last two years, I've worked 15 and 16. I've worked my, well, 16 and 17. I worked my butt off getting rid of all old commitments, all old contract things. And so in December, my last two will be done. So I'll be even with the world. And I've already got four paintings on board ready to paint of my own. So I just want to do my own art, and I'll sell the originals. If not, I'll, I'll keep them. Uh, give them to the kids or something, but I just want to paint my own work. Uh, no art direction, no nobody telling you what they want or There's something really valuable you don't yeah, say for that. Yeah. Myself and, and no deadline, I can make them as good as I can paint, you know, hopefully. So you've you painted all these years, is there any couple pieces that you're truly, are your favorites or? Yeah, a lot of people ask me this, i got two answers. What's your favorite painting? I always say the next one. Maybe I'll get one right. I've heard that as well. And then the, the other one is Avalon the Life Giver. It was a painting of a, a snow scene uh, with a, a, a guy laying in the snow, wounded. I think a girl I've seen this kneeling one. over him and an old like, giant walking away in the background. And that's one of my favorite paintings because the concept of that came to me in like a flash, like a little picture, roughly, of that painting. And, and when I... Uh, Started painting it, it came out almost exactly like my mental picture. Lots of times the painting will take its own um, direction sometimes when you're painting it, but this one stayed just like my mental picture. So, I see a question of your wife real quick. Do you have a favorite painting of his that you've done over the years? That he's done over the years? Probably Adeline the Life Giver. Uh, the same one. Yeah. Yeah. Same the same the bottom. We like, I love Rose the bottom. And, um, 
and the Palter Stone. That's a new one I did. One of the new ones I worked with myself. for aspiring painters or artists out there that you might want to pass along to the next generation? Well, you might be really good because the competition is so... It would be hard for me to break in today, I think. You know, I mean, there's, with the, because of computer art, there are so many people doing art. And um, I should do it the old way. I paint with oil paint, I paint with a brush, I draw with a pencil, I ink with a pen or a brush. And it's done me well right now. Fantasy art is at the point that people are scrolling up that's got money. They like to buy originals. And, uh, and you can make a living. Originals are good enough. You can sell originals. And then if you're selling pretty well, you're probably going to be getting published too. But I would say competition is still target the company you'd like to work for and send them stuff to them. And don't take no for an answer. The squeaking wheel gets oil lots of times. Thank you very much. I'm going to let you go on to the booth. Your booth's getting a bit kind of busy here. Right, thank thank you. you very much, Larry. Thank you for the quick question, Betty. I appreciate sharing your husband with us all over all these years. Wow, guys. What did you think? Pretty good interview for uh, Larry Emmel, oh, right? definitely, yeah. I know I really wish you would have gone to Gen Con. Well, you should have went to Gen Con, but... You didn't. No. I went to Gen Con, though. Yeah. I don't know if you know this, but I went to Gen Con. I, I, I stayed into my fence. Yeah, yeah. Somebody, I feel like somebody um, actually scribbled that in the bathroom here. I was assuming it was you. I did. Steve all, it says is, all it says I is did. Steve went to Gen Con. Yeah. For a good time, call Gen Con. Anyway, uh, what a great interview by Larry Elmore. Man, he did some fantastic art in the 80s, and he's still doing art today, but uh, it was good to see him. And I've, I mean, honestly, that's something that I've really gotten into that I'd say this last year is I mean, the designers are really cool to see designers of games, but this last year I've really been getting into, like, who the different illustrators are and artists on these games, you know? Right. And then I come to find out that there's actually a lot that are very local to just Washington State in oh, general, yeah, not yeah. to mention Western Washington, um, and so that's been really cool to see. And we've had the pleasure of talking to Brandy York and Raven uh-huh. um, as well, mm-hmm. and hopefully on this podcast uh, with our segment, Get to Know Your Artists. Uh, we'll talk to more. Artists. Definitely. Cool. So one thing that we forgot to do, Joe, is talk about con news at the beginning. So what do you got for con news? Well, what's coming up soon is, and I guess it depends on when this goes out. So uh, soon, yes. Soon. But regardless, mm-hmm. on September thirtieth, we um, and October first is going to be Geek Girl Con. Oh, and that'll so definitely be after. That'll be after. That'll so, be after. So hopefully, hopefully you had a so, great time at Geek Girl Con. Yeah, so Geek Girl everybody, Girl great. we're going to put on our magical time traveling hats. This is how I talk to my students. Now let's listen, class. But if you did go, mm-hmm. we would actually like to hear what were some of your favorite things from Geek yeah. Girl Con. Um, I was there. If you saw me or anyone else who was there... And you probably saw Joe in his Geese of Cascadia t-shirt. You should have. Yes. Because he's going to wear it. I do. I I actually am planning to wear that. Good. Yeah. The only thing is I couldn't find anything that goes well with it. The best I had was a leopard print thong, but I'm trying to. It might be cold, so I needed to wear. I would go with gold lame hot pants. That's good. That's good. 
That's good. Maybe we should open up a poll online. Well, and that's why we're going to switch to YouTube videos. <laughs> exactly. Anyway. <laughs> uh, but if you did go, um, uh, I'm curious if anybody saw or spoke to G. Willow Wilson. She is oh, she's there. amazing. She was there? She, yep, okay. she was there. Uh, yeah, back in the past, I was excited, super excited to, to go to Geek Girl Con to see her. Right. Um, I mean, she did Miss Marvel. Um, she's had, you know, won Hugo Awards for Best yes. Graphic Story. she's doing Miss Marvel? Is she doing Miss yeah, Marvel? Yeah, Miss okay. Marvel, which is so good because when I first saw that they did, when they first did that, I thought that was really great because I'm like, okay, cool. It's really cool to see, um, you know, a woman of colors, Miss Marvel. And then I found out that I, I forgot I specifically. And There's Captain sorry. Marvel too, by the way. Where sorry, listeners, if, if I'm wrong. I was yeah. I don't know which Middle Eastern country, but um, it was really cool. So Pakistan. Then, Pakistan. I was going to yeah. say Pakistani. And then as I read more about it, mm-hmm. I I saw that. It's like, like this is really cool because this isn't just like, hey, I'm just some dude writing about this. As I read more about G. Willow Wilson, um, you know, this is also somewhat aligned with with her belief systems and anything like that. So it was really cool to see that. Um, yeah, so I had a blast at GeekoCon. Well, I, you know, following along that lines of Miss Marvel, I've been reading a little bit of Miss um, Marvel with Kamala Khan, a teenage Pakistani girl so who's awesome. trying to go through, you know, life and. Trying to balance her her cultural background with, um, you know, living in New Jersey or New York, and so it's really interesting to watch that and what's going on. And I just love the diversity that's happening in um, in Marvel Comics. Pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it could. It's I, it's good that I'm seeing that because I don't remember much of that at all when I was a kid. Yeah, and I know you being a DC fan, it must disappoint you uh. that there's. Not enough diversity happening in DC, but Marvel, <laughs> who I support. I'm not and really a big DC so fan. Nice. I'm just a Batman fan. I like Batman. Okay. I don't really. Green Lanterns can be pretty good, but I don't really read anything else. I'm more of an Image fan. Image is like my main jam. Image I love that bad. Image Comics is my my go to. I've really been digging um, Aftershock, and Black Mask has been putting out some really good stuff as well. Um, so, but then we mm-hmm. brings us to our last con. So, January twelfth through fourteenth in two thousand eighteen will be what OrcaCon? No way! Yeah, so, I'm really excited to meet many different people at OrcaCon. We're going to be rocking all types of games. It's going to be great. Really? Where is it at? This will be podcasted next week. By the way, I don't know if you know know that. I don't. Yeah, no, it will be. Announcements between well, now and then? I don't. Oh, okay. Well, anyway. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to burn for that. I'm going to leave that one. No, all right. I'm going to Sergeant Schultz this thing. Darn it. You know, I tried. Anyway, listeners, you can go online and go get a uh, membership, or a pass, sorry, a pass uh, for uh, MorganCon on our website. Yes. Um, so, guys, what else do well, we a, a couple things we need to make sure that we address. If you're yes. listening to this when this comes out, when this drops, yes. um, there's... Who drops? Uh, you sound so cool. I know, right? I'm very fancy with the people. I've, <laughs> I've met people and stuff. Um, um, Chad Gray's game Goatfish right. should be live on Kickstarter right now. Yes. And Medieval by Jeff Newell uh, and his group should be live either not, if not right now, then very, very soon. Yes. So, Jeff, uh, we, that's right. We did a podcast of Jeff and uh, Chad Gray last, uh, last, last week. We had the review of Goatfish last week, and two right. weeks ago we talked to Chad Gray. And then Jeff Newell was last week, and yeah, that should be, if not uh, right now, then very soon. So, uh, Chad and Jeff, I, I hope that you've been so kind as to post our, <laughs> our Facebook post and retweet our tweets. 
because we're desperate people. Yeah. <laughs> Joe, do you have, what else do you have? I do want to say one more thing. So, um, so last time what it's it was, November, was by the way. so what it was was last time we did a is we were talking about. I don't know if it was last time or the time before. We were talking about. Tyler Sigmund's Crows. Yes, that is officially on Kickstarter now. It is. Oh, and so that, that awesome. dropped, I believe, either this morning or yesterday. It's doing pretty good. I mean, I think it actually did drop today, and it's at, it's met half its goal. It's a goal of sixteen thousand. Oh, wow. And at the awesome. time of recording this podcast, which is January twenty fifth on Monday, mm-hmm. it is at um, nearly eight nine thousand dollars. So it's uh, awesome. It's wow. getting there. Yeah, it's like at eight thousand eight hundred and ninety eight dollars out of the sixteen. The oh, art, wow. I mean, um, David David Gerard wasn't kidding. That art is stinking yeah. beautiful. It is. It yeah. It looks. So it looks good great. to see people that we've interviewed make it big. That's great. And crow meeples. Where do you? Where else could you get little like crow meeples? Wow. Oh, wow. You're crow right. There's crow meeples. There's I'm little looking crow at meeples. right now. They're really cool. And wow, the art is okay. beautiful. Really nice, good grayish tones with bright, vibrant reds. It's mm. yeah. The Poe the po lover in me is, like, going crazy right now looking at this. It's cool. Oh. Well, you guys, I think I need to talk to Gwen about another um, Breakside Salted Caramel Stout. Oh, they got the best All beer right. around the table. And yeah. I guess we should wrap this up because we have a game tonight. Yes, we so, do. So, with that, embrace the nerd, and I hope you make that saving throw. Podcast featuring Steve Hobbs, Paul Anderson, and Joe Costa. This podcast is brought to you by OrcaCon.